he started talking about stuff like uh, he started putting names to things that I, I thought I invented, you know, I, I didn't know what else to call. I called them right. something else. It, I, I didn't know anything that was going on. All I knew is I couldn't sleep. Um, I couldn't process uh, emotions at all. It was either joy or despair. There was no in between. Firehouse Vigilance presents the Weekly Scrap, a podcast dedicated to the never-ending fight against complacency. <laughs> I, I just wanted to. Uh, I just wanted to thank my wife for letting me come on here tonight. She's a hey. freaking trooper. Um, so, quick shout out to Mrs. George. Thank you, baby. I cannot say thank you enough for. Uh, in fact, I was telling everybody that it was a. Uh, I almost sent it to you as a joke of, "Hey, do you want to fill in tonight?" Uh, and, and I would have. I, I would have gone. I would have fall. I would have run with that one. So it was it was great, man. So I, I can't say thank you enough to the missus and to you for doing this. And well, so thank you. I'll uh, pass that along to her. So here we go. Rick George made it on twenty four years Palm Beach County. Like I already said to everybody, a worldwide international instructor, teaches and is in demand everywhere, widely respected. Uh this is not just a fluffier pillow, this is well earned accolades. Uh you're the co author of Developing Firefighter Resiliency, along with Dave Gillespie and Bob Carpenter. Um, and from what I understand, people are actually using that book now to in the I, promotional processes. I, I just got a text uh, from my buddy, uh, Gabe. He's out in uh, Vegas. And um, he told me that they're using it for their captain's exam. I'm blown that, away. That is awesome. I am blown away. Uh, so, uh, talk about the book. That's where I'm going to start with you is letting you talk about the book. Uh, it's uh, just uh, the guys, uh, J-Lo and Court, I was talking to them, and they both said they're using those principles from that book in their training academies right now, uh, in their training oh, nice. divisions. So, go ahead and nice. talk about it, and I'll get out of your way. So, um, it, it actually started about 12 years ago. Uh, it was 2000. 7-2008, um, I was diagnosed with PTSD, and um, I, I really I had no idea what was. I, just thought, I thought I was losing my mind. I really did. Uh, I, I, uh, I knew it wasn't the drugs or alcohol because at that time I had been sober 19 years. I'm sober 32 now. I, I finally wow. figured out that when I drink, I break out in handcuffs. You know, it's, it's ugly. <laughs> I, don't, I, I have no business drinking. So I, I okay. can't blame that on the I can't blame that on the alcohol or the drugs or anything. And I, I thought my job I thought I was I thought I was good, you know. I mean um I thought I dealt with things. I was started going back to church and I started believing again. Family was solid, um, you know, and then everything just kinda crumbled and uh I got a, a call from a uh, long story short, I ended up in a psychologist's office. Thank God for employee assistance program. Um, the a divorce was the vehicle, and um, it, it just I had my kids in there and stuff. And so this guy diagnosed me with PTSD, gave me some answers, and um, I ended up reading a book by Lieutenant Colonel David Grossman, uh, and it was actually I went to a RIT seminar. Uh, with Polly and Polly Capo was the instructor, and mm -hmm. he started talking about you know uh, Polly's a great instructor. He started talking about stuff like uh, he started putting names to things that 
I, I thought I invented, you know, I, I didn't know what else to call. I called it right. something else. It, I, I didn't know anything that was going on. All I knew is I couldn't sleep. Um, I couldn't process uh, emotions at all. It was either joy or despair. There was no in between. Um, it was uh, the sleep really had a big deal to do with things. I couldn't rationally think about things. I couldn't I couldn't problem solve, you know. Uh, I started to develop anxiety, um, uh, more specifically when I put my mask on, uh, I want to rip it off. Um, I was wow. never really comfortable in the beginning with a mask, so I trained with it, but, and I got really good at it and I, I, I'm not a confined space guy, but I did whatever needed to be done and I prided myself on being able to do it. Sure. And so that that's that's the beginnings of the book I, I lost my mind i went to a class with paulie capo on writ he started talking about the stuff he told me i should read lieutenant grossman's uh book on combat and i did and this guy described what i was going through but more importantly he gave me what the psychologist couldn't uh he gave me a foot in the door he talked about uh, belly breathing diaphragmatic breathing and uh, i started doing it i practiced it got good at it and everything started to get better. And then I started noticing the intrusive thoughts because um, that was part of the package. And I, the psychologist helped me with that a lot. And that's where I started meditating. Uh, prayer came back. Everything started coming back to me. And um, it's been a long, it was a long, slow process. Don't get me wrong. Right. It was probably, um, probably about, eight, about eight months before I realized I didn't have to consciously breathe through things. So I had to think about before I did anything, like if we're going into a fire and we're doing a search, I'd have to take a deep breath and exhale on the way down and then continue to breathe as I'm going and I had to focus on my breathing. So it was hard to split my mind in two directions because typically I'm just task oriented. Now right. I've got to say situationally aware interior and um, situationally aware exterior. And that was a new concept for me. That's where the book started. I ran across Bob Carpenter. Uh, we got put together. Um, and his class and mine dovetailed very, very nicely. We had a really great run. And um, we, uh, we, our biggest problem was always instructors to be able to teach the class that I had envisioned and that Bob had helped put together. And it, because the bottom line is we, we'll screw guys up in this class if we don't handle them right, you know. Wow. We're making problems worse. Wow. So uh, Dave Gillespie stepped in. Uh, talked to him at FDIC one year, and he saw my, my entire PowerPoint, and he was blown away. He goes, I was just getting ready to do a class like this on performance. He goes, this is amazing. I can't believe it. And so we hit it off. So the three of us had been working together for a while, and, and um, the thought came in, we need to write a book because yeah. we're doing this the right way. And, and, and don't get me wrong. It's not my ego saying we got to be the first ones. It's – it's it behind every chapter in this book. Is it, did they put it behind every chapter or at the end of the book? Behind every chapter, it gives you the references for everything that we're talking about. Talking about. Um, so yes, and, it, and so you get all the referencing under notes at the end of every chapter. Those are the people that made this. We just put it together for the fire service. I put it together out of necessity. Dave saw the need. Bob saw the way that classes were not being put together properly, more failure-based than success-based. And when we blended everything together, it came to be this book, which was difficult to do. You know, It no was doubt. not easy. Uh, it sounds uh, like it was well, meant to be. I mean, honestly, yeah. you guys coming together. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's uh, God doesn't make many mistakes when it comes to things like that. Fair enough. So yeah. uh, now a question. Uh, I, I don't want to. I mean, you seem very comfortable talking about PTSD for yourself and things like that. Uh, was it a chronic or an acute or a combination for you, or how do you just a to touch on that? So, yeah, mine was not a. Uh, mine started developing over years. So in a previous life, I was not a nice man. Um, I wish that I led a virtuous life. I wasn't. I was a street thug, and um, I did a lot of bad things. I hurt people. Friends of mine have murdered. Um, there was a lot of bad stuff that happened. So I think that those traumas and unresolved issues growing up sure. helped feed that naturally. I mean, you know, that was the beginning. Uh, but when I got in the fire service, I started seeing things. You know, I, I could give you one example after the other. Right of things that came back up when I was in therapy with this man. And um, this man was prying, you know, and so I, I'll never forget. I said, oh, I, I started yelling at him. I said, oh, you want to know about that, the ugly stuff, the stuff we don't talk about. I said, I got you, bro. I said, <laughs> jump on in because the water's deep, you know, and I used an explicative in there too. Right. And I just started blasting him. I started blasting him. And I talked about things that I thought I had – you know, come to terms with most of it isn't the gory stuff. Um, oddly enough, it's the family's reactions. Oh yeah. I, it just the, the, the look of terror and sheer horror on people's faces, what they were saying, how they were trying to comfort each other, how all of it sounded nonsensical. It was almost like I was watching a movie, but I was, it was really empathetic. I felt like I could feel what they were feeling, you know? Right. And, um, I think that that's when the divorce came. And I don't know if anybody else has ever noticed this, but, um, you know, we, the fire service, we go to a lot of funerals. And sadly, our brothers and sisters take their own lives. Um, a lot of them, <clears throat> excuse me, a lot of them, I've noticed, revolve around something to do with the ending of a relationship. Somehow or another, when love leaves, this steps in. And it's ugly, and that's what happened to me. And so I read another book by Sebastian Junger called Tribes. And the way that he used his example um, was, I got it. I understood. See, my family was my bastion of hope, right? Um, my daughter had been assaulted the year before the divorce, which affected my ex. She, anyways, it, right. my kids were being kept from me. All that stuff, all my children, the things I love the most are now taken from me. And I, there's nothing I could do about it. I couldn't show up and uh, I couldn't show up like a dad, you know. Right, you know, right. <clears throat> there are things that are going to happen in life, and it's going to leave you feeling very weak and very emasculated, especially when you come from a culture of this or this. Um, it, it's uh, very humbling. It's very humiliating, um, all of those wrapped into one. But that was uh, that was the beginning of it. The PTSD, I think, was a cumulative thing. And uh, that, that struck me when I was on the job probably uh, 18 years. No, four, 15, 16 years is when it just kind of smacked me right in the face. Right in the face. It was, uh, yeah, yeah. Wow. Oh, okay. Hard to segue. I want to segue to, um, man, uh, you've done the research. You've taught, yes. I don't know, everywhere. been around the world, wrote a book, if not the book on training, 
And I'm going to try and put you on the spot here and let you elaborate as much as you want with this question, which is what would you consider the biggest failure of the modern fire service when it comes to excellence in training? I think the biggest failure right now um, has to do with leadership. Uh, I, I really do. I don't think that the leadership recognizes the value in a change when the change comes from an area that they may or may not know anything about. Um, I, I, the reason I think it's leadership is because, quite frankly, we just don't test for leadership. You know, we think that if you read a yeah. book, you're okay. We think if you got a degree, you're okay. We think that after X amount of years, you're okay. Well, riddle sure. me this, Batman. Why is it that we can take warfighters and develop them into freaking hardcore leaders, and they're in their 20-somethings or late teens? You know, how does that happen? They're not at battle for 20, 15, 20, 25, 30 years before they're put in charge of the lives of men. I mean, seriously, in the lives of men. They're, they're getting blown up, lead flying, living in harsh conditions. I mean, we complain when the AC breaks in Florida, you know. <laughs> yes. um, and, and so, but how do they do it? And yet we have a whole different way, but we like to think that we're paramilitary. You know, for, 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 for an organization that prides itself on making order out of disorder, we got a whole hell of a lot of disorders. You know, how about we 360 our people? We like the 360 buildings. How about we 360 our people? You know, it, they're just that. not. I think that's the biggest. I think that's the biggest failure in in the fire service. Um, to be honest with you, because some of it is unrecognizable, and I don't blame them because technology is just catching up and 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 showing us stuff that we didn't know before. And and I'm not talking about things like flow path and stuff. I mean, these are things that firemen been doing for a long, long time, and um, people are just. I mean, uh, science is catching up and vetting it, you yes. know. Yes. So, and the same with resilience. Until neuroscience started taking off, we had no idea about, you know, how the brain will affect you. We had no idea. We figured that, you know, the – is it okay to curse on here? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. You be you. Awesome. Okay, good. Yes. Uh, no, you, don't have we to, figured, you don't have to censor figured, yourself. <laughs> okay, we figured we figured the bigger a shit sandwich that we made, the better you would be as a fireman, and that's just not the case. Right, you're you're no. dead on there. Uh, which so dovetails? I, I don't know if that answers yeah. it. Yeah, no, that definitely answers it. Oh yeah, uh, the uh, twenty-two count. This is a question I had for later, but it, you you recently wrote a a article, a post, whatever the uh, twenty-two caliber mindset, and in a three fifty-seven magnum world and. But the cognitive testing you talked about in there, but the part I loved was the juice. Uh, how do you recognize yeah. and test and evaluate for the juice? And that's my – Well, the juice The juice is uh, – is, go ahead, finish your question. I I sure we're, I real, we're real good in the fire service about saying, oh, you passed the test. Here's your badge. Go be a leader. And, yeah. you know, that's what we give them, you know, like, like they've uh, – and I know there's exceptions to the rule, of course. But, no, that's basically how do you – test that uh, measure the immeasurable almost. So go ahead. The seemingly immeasurable. Okay. Are, are you familiar with Jim McCormick out in Indiana? I know the name. He, know. he runs fire department instructor network, fire department training network Okay. In, in Indiana. His dad used to run FDIC back in the day. Okay. Jimmy is, and there are other men to it, and I apologize for, you know, Scotty Harden. I mean, the names just go on. Sure. Men that understand how to train other men. If you had a training division 
with men like that, you could then properly prepare your people. So, um, but, but how do you evaluate how to get them to that point? Well, I, I have a saying that I kind of plagiarized from, uh, what is that guy's name? Some big motivational speaker. I just adapted it for what I wanted to do. And it says, you show me what your, you know, show me what your hiring process shows looks like, and I'll show you what you value in your fire department. And so what we're doing is you need a high school diploma, can't have a felony record, <laughs> can't have no DUIs, you know. I can't use you if you can't use it. Can't, you ain't got a driver's license. You ain't worth much good to us, you know. Um, and then you go through the minimum standards class, um, and these are all minimum standards. Right. And this is what we're – this is our gene pool, you know. Now, they will give preference to military, and they will give preference to people with educational degrees, okay. I don't fault either one of those. I actually think both of those are steps in the right direction, given that the educational degrees are something that could be applicable to us. Okay, something that's beneficial to the individual that that somebody could foresee going, you know what, that's going to come in handy. Okay, so now um, the cognitive testing is based off of um, typical testing that has to do with mathematics and and uh, you know reading and comprehension and things like sure. that. Um, I mean, short term memory. I was listening to a podcast with Aaron Fields on the brothers. Uh, Brothers in Battle uh, podcast. <laughs> I loved it. I, I I never thought I have a whole lot in common with Aaron because that guy's just he's just brilliant. Um, it, he he will blow people's minds. This is I love when that man steps up on a stage and somebody's never seen him because I just sit back and look at their reaction. I just wait. I'm like, because this guy's going to blow your mind. He knows so much. So he he even commented that. He was not a good test. He was not good in our in the promotional process, and it's because that process is not something that he applies to his life. Right. That's not how he learns. It's right. not how he applies things, and that's the same problem that I had. I never never did well on promotional exams. Um, I'd make a list, but I, I never cracked the top ten. Shoot, I never cracked the top twenty or thirty. You know, I was always that middle of the row, bottom of the end guy, and. Um, when he said that, I started laughing because I recognized it a long time ago. And so what I do is I step back and I think, okay, how do you use your skills that you do have? Okay, because that, clearly that's a roadblock. Okay, so how do you work? How do you work around it? There, there are times where you go around something, over or under something, and there's times you got to go through things. Sure. Uh, PTSI, post-traumatic stress injury, that's something you go through. You know, so um, this is what I started going around. I started researching about why that occurs, and I came across non-cognitive testing. Non-cognitive testing is the exact opposite of what we do in the fire service. So non-cognitive testing is not something new. This has been going on for 100 years. They've got 100 years of research. They test you. So they'll ask you questions like, uh, what kind of community service do you do, you know, around your you know, where, where you live, where, you know, are you involved in any uh, charitable organizations? Um, do you, are you married? Do you have children? Um, uh, are you, uh, do you have a faith that you follow? And, and so they, they have combined these questions to, you know, if, if you could change any one thing, what would you like to change? What they do is they, they start to understand 
the type of character that upholds the person's personality. Sure. And they have come to where they can define who will excel in a certain position, who will excel in through promotional processes. And, and it, it's amazing. What's even more amazing is the fire service doesn't utilize it. There are those. Oh, no, yeah. And right. it, let, me, let me temper that with there are departments and places that utilize that kind of stuff, and they're really they're incredible, okay? No, except, um, exceptions to the norm, for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, departments like the Colony with Scott Thompson, oh, yeah. that's an aberration, man. That's an aberration. <laughs> really? That does not happen every day. You know, that, that guy's guy amazing. is a freaking yes. rock star, and they're lucky to have him, you know? Yes. Um, and so, you know, when you have these kinds of things – available to you these tools where you can recognize hey is this guy going to be a lie or girl whatever going to be a liability to us in the future or is this person going to be an asset to us and there's absolutely nothing wrong with asking that question the military does it the nfl does it you know yeah. i mean people are like you got to have diversity in the fire service oh really well what about diversity in the nfl what about diversity in hockey what about diversity in baseball or basketball you know, why, why is it they have two distinct leagues in basketball, a women's league and a men's league? Because it's about success. It's about money. It's about all of that stuff. And oh, yeah. while we're not about money, we should be about success. So if you are going to have diversity, pick the best of the best. And that's the way that you can do it. Because when you understand somebody's personality, somebody comes in and they're like, oh, I, I want to be on the job. Uh, I like the T-shirts. Um, I like the pennies, right? <laughs> yeah. I, I like the insurance. I'm going to have my 54th child, you know, because I'm Cuban or I'm Irish, whatever, or maybe I'm Cuban and Irish, and I like right. having kids, okay? And and all this stuff, and, oh, that's good job security and this and that, but you're not into the job, man, you know? And so non-cognitive testing is another tool that allows you to define somebody's character to understand, are they in the job, into the job or not? And And these are available. The same when you hire a company from outside to come in and and offer a test, it's usually cognitive testing. Sure. Non-cognitive testing is something else those companies do. They, they know it's out there. In Palm Beach County, our HR department utilizes non-cognitive testing in every – so HR for Palm Beach County covers every department, not just the fire department, a lot of departments – they use non-cognitive testing in all the other departments, but they don't use it in the fire department. Not the fire when I service. ask why not, yeah, when I ask why not, it's because politics gets in the way. Right there. So yeah, that's what I was our local and our administration determine what it's going to be like. And when you can't crack that nut, man, you got you got cognitive bias. Yeah. These people are they're they're not going to change. It's not no. going to happen. You know, it's not until somebody gets in a place that gets it and says, you know what, this is retarded. You guys keep complaining about these people, but you're responsible for putting them in here. Right. You know, stop that, you know. You and can't so, be surprised by the behavior you get from the people you promote if that's all they've ever amen. been. So. Amen. Amen. Oh. So that, that's my deal with non-cognitive testing. You know, and you could use that for promotional exams too. You know, um, typically they'll ask you, uh, you know, a promotional exam. Uh, my promotional exam, we have books that we do not follow. But you've got to memorize them for the test. Right. And I may take 10 questions out of a big old book, and we got 12 books to read through. Yeah. That's going to make you a better this, reader. 
Memorize this, yeah. but here's how we're really going to do it. Okay, guys? Oh, and here's a piece of paper. This piece of paper is your fire scenario. Write down everything that you would do and in the order that you do it in and then speak it into this microphone. So you got to write it and speak it. And I'm just like, yeah, this is not how we fight fire. And you know what it is? Some freaking crazy call. It's some crazy yeah. call. It's not like I'm Corley Moore, right? And I'm in right. freaking – I'm in Oki, right? I'm, and, <laughs> sure. and, and I work for – I got I – got, 70 people, I got four fire stations, right? And what's my bread and butter? Residential. That's why it. would you not test me on that? Why, why would you test me on high-rise? We don't right. have high-rises. We've got mid-rises. Okay, test me up to six floors. But what is it that we get the most of? I want to make sure that that guy getting promoted has got a firm handle around what is our bread and butter so wow. then we can train them up to where they got to be. They're doing it all ass backwards, man. Dude, that's Sorry. amazing. That's my, no, no, that that's is amazing. my rant, man. I love it. No, no, that's why I, dude, you rant away. Uh, I have this question. I know I've already eaten up a bunch of your time, but I got this question for you, which is learning from failure, which is which is a big thing for me. Is we learn from our mistakes, we learn from our failures, but the book is about training for success. And so I just really want to go into the difference between the two and what you mean by uh, that, because I think failure, you know, you find your limits, you find your um, how you know what you need to improve upon? So address that because I really want to understand that better. Got it. And I, hold on, before so, you, I, I'm going to read. I'm going to get you with some of these uh, quotes real quick. I'm going to bring everybody up to speed. Court said the minimum standard is one step above inadequate, which is Chief Walker's quote from OKC. It's, it's I love that check. quote. Firefighter mm -hmm. O'Connor said exactly. The fire service largely doesn't give a shit with six eyes. Uh, fire, uh, man, I wish this was recorded to share more. Red Ops, this will be posted and recorded and it'll be on Facebook, YouTube, uh, here on Instagram, so you will be able to share it. Um, Court Smith said they will quit the first week. I think he was talking about you, talking about the guys who were here for the t-shirt, the Bennies. If they change that around, they would be gone. Uh, and then, uh, PCB, uh, or PBC, I'm sorry, Palm Beach County, uh, they say, no, we answer five questions into a tape recorder to get hired. And uh, so that's some of the some of the reactions you're getting. You're spot on, Rick. Love it. Truth, brother Rick. Oh, um, I know who that is. Punisher's extrication. My man. I, I ain't going to say your name, no, brother. I get it. He's still on yes. the job. Fair enough. Uh, so back <clears throat> to the question. So I wanted to bring everybody up to speed and, and, and include them. Uh, uh, and Firefighter O'Connor says you give the best bro hugs for what that's worth. <laughs> All right. So go ahead. Back to the learning from failure and, and training versus success or for success. Okay. So um, the first time that I heard it put like that was uh, Bob Carpenter, uh, the, one of the co-authors in our book. Okay. And, um, and when Bob said it, it's like a light went off in my head because of the way he explained it. So when, when uh, you went and got your sweat on today, right? You went yes, and worked sir. out, right? So there are days where, um, you know, there are heavy days, there are light days, there are cardio days, and there are days where you will go to failure. That is not a bad thing, okay? And that's not what this is talking about. Okay. A failure-based train would be, how much do you bench press roughly? Uh, right, 225. Like okay, okay, so let's say that your max is 315, okay? okay. So what we're going to do is we're going to put 345 pounds on there because you need to be able to feel this weight, and you need to be able to press this, and you need to be able to learn how to dig deep and survive and rah, rah, rah. And then you fail. <laughs> right. And he goes, no see, doubt. you're just not ready for the job. Now, that might be a poor example. Let's use boxing instead. wrote another article where I use this, and it actually is a really good analogy. So if you want to learn how to box, 
First, you have to learn how to breathe. So you're going to learn coordinated punches, jab, jab, overhand, okay? Jab, overhands, and you're going to be jab, overhand. Then you're going to teach combinations. Then you're going to learn how to throw multiples, okay? okay. Then you learn how to generate from the hips. All your power comes from your hips. It's not from your shoulders, okay? Uh, and then uh. you coordinate your breathing with that because most of us want to hold our breath instead of release. So breathing is crucial in everything and anything that we do. And then from there, we're going to put you on a heavy bag and a speed bag, and you're going to learn how to coordinate all this stuff. And then you're going to shadow box. You're going to learn how to faint, duck, and dive, and do all this other stuff. You can't do any of that. I mean, you, you have to do all of that before you get into the ring and spar with somebody that understands your capacity, your level. If you don't, you're in deep shit. <laughs> Because yeah. a person's yeah, going to tee off on you, okay? Right. You can't expect to get into a ring with a pro. You're going to wake up in the in the emergency room to the sound of oxygen, okay? Right. And and it's it just what is learned? Nothing, okay? So you have to learn all of those skills and gradually build up, fight amateur before you can go pro, if you even get that opportunity. Sure. I did a lot of grappling growing up, especially wrestling through high school. Um, I got into junior college. Wanted to try out for the team, but my extracurricular activities just sabotaged all that. Um, later on in life, I end up uh, doing Brazilian jiu-jitsu, and I'm training with American top team in their inception. These are men. Jiu-jitsu. Yeah, these, jiu -jitsu. yeah the, these guys are the best in the world at the time. They're Pride champions, UFC champions, they're all training in our gym. Now, I'm not in awe. The beauty of it is I get to train with guys that can, they can mop the mat with me. They did mop the mat with me, sure. but they taught me a lot. They taught me a lot. Kindest, gentlest men in the world and probably some of the baddest motherfuckers walk yeah. on the planet. And they did not take advantage of that, and they knew how to teach because they went through it and they understood. We don't do that. That's a success base. A failure base is training is this big and everybody's got to fit in it. That's right ridiculous. Okay. okay. What, what if yeah. you're 6'5", you know, and I'm 5'2". You expect me to pull ceiling the way to 6'5 is going to? You expect right. this guy that's 6'5 to get through that maze as fast as I can at 5'2"? That's not going to happen. I'm not 5'2". Right I am on the shrinking <laughs> side of age, but I'm not 5'2 yet. The point is that it's okay to push people, but as the instructor, we do not teach our people how to instruct. That's another big failure that the fire service has. The fire service expects everybody to bring the juice, but they don't know how to get the juice. They don't know how to develop the juice. They think the juice is making something so incredibly hard that nobody can pass it, and, right. and that makes me a better instructor. That's how badass I am. I just created a drill you can't get through. Right. Whoop de doo. What what did you guys Okay. The number one thing <clears throat> about teaching and being an instructor is retention. If your students are incapable of retaining what it is you're trying to transfer them to them, what's the sense? Don't even bother. You're wasting right. everybody's time, right? So, we take small steps and then we gradually build them up. And then as we build them up, we test them. This is all Bob Carpenter. So, we build them up and then we test them. And in that test, we see where their failure points or their sticking points are, okay? And then we, we know what to key in on. 
and then we key in on those things, then we add it to the drill one at a time as they learn to master these tasks, and then we put it all back together and say, okay, show me what you got this time. Show Let's me. see how good you do. Here's yeah, the drill. I know you got this. Look, we just did all this, you know. And while they're learning how to do it, we may go through the drill a couple times just to practice. And right it's okay on. to talk to them. It's okay to encourage them. It's okay to do things like that. that that's what you want them to be. You want them to be successful. You don't oh, want them absolutely. to fail. I want somebody that's got extreme confidence in the ability, right? Yes. They, they have okay. to have the physical and the mental ability <laughs> to be able to accomplish it. And failure is part of that learning process, okay? But, but it's not the way that we currently do it. Right. And when, when, when Bob Carpenter started to explain things, it just clicked for me. I was like, oh, my God. This is this is money. He shows he he does a class. It's called uh, Drill Development, the next level, and um, he shows you how to actually set classes up and why to set it up that way. And then Dave and I we focus a lot on the mental side of the game. Bob shows you how to structure everything. There's a very specific way that things should be structured. Um, uh, what is the what is he he uses a term. That, that absolutely drives me crazy sometimes, but he's spot on. He says, you know what? It's, uh, it's all semantics if you don't know what the words mean, you know, and, and you have to know what the words mean. Wow. So when you're teaching, you got to know what teaching means. When you're instructing, you need to know what that means. And when you're coaching, you need to know what that means. And if you don't understand those things and you've never learned, don't feel bad because a fire service thinks that after three years, you can get an instructor one cert by going and taking some class. And then, you know, you learn how to, I don't know, do what, I don't know, teach what, what are you going to teach? What do you know about students' reactions? Well, you that, seven, that's what we should be teaching. No, it's 70 degrees in the classroom and the fluorescent lights are bad. And then here you go. You're an instructor one. Yeah. So, yeah. Somebody uh, wrote a comment on there about Chris Brennan. He's one of my freaking heroes. So, oh, this is yes. perfect. So, we learned about training scars from Chris Brennan. Yes. I don't know where he got the term, but I give him the credit for the training scars term. Okay. And, and so, when Chris talked about training scars, I was like, oh my God, that's what we do to people. That's yes. what failure based training does to our people. It creates a scar. So now when it comes out over the freaking ticker tape in each firehouse, we got like 50 plus or minor firehouses in Palm Beach County. And at the time we didn't, but when training came up and hey, you guys are on the schedule, you're going to training next shift, make sure you get there by eight o'clock. You know, oh, okay. It was a freaking wave of people that called in sick. <laughs> Yes. They didn't want to they didn't want to be humiliated and 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 ridden until they were freaking pissing down their leg. Yeah. How did they get that way? How did they get that way? That's our training model. That's a failure-based training model. But when you can get your people excited to come to training, now you're working on it. Now you yes. got something going for you, you know? Wow, that that helps? yeah, oh, absolutely. Holy yes. <laughs> yeah, the training scars thing, it's like it's not just the mistakes you learned. It's the whole mindset uh, that can be Amen. enforced by it. So, and hopefully uh, when John Spira steps in here the next time, he, when, when things work out, he's going to elaborate more on mindset. And um, I mean, we could do it tonight too, but uh, he's coming out with a book, Mindset. I, am, yes. I can't wait to read it. I can't Same. wait to read it. Same. I want to add it to the, to the library on the other stuff that I've got, you know. I've got a stack of books. I'm like six books behind that I'm trying to get caught up on. So and they, they, just, they keep coming out, man. They keep coming out. We're we're trying to put ours on audiobook. 
because oh. I really think that that's beneficial. And I take audio books with me everywhere. You know, I fly, I drive, I do it. I plug in an audio book, you know, and, and I listen to what's going on. And, and I love audio books. So that's that seems to be that's the direction we're headed in. I was going to talk to John about doing that, too. Yes, I do a lot of uh, podcasts that way, but I, books, I have to have my highlighters and make notes because so, I feel like I oh, forget yeah. so much. So uh, that's I, same, same thing, bro. I got I got all kinds of this is just yes. my copy of my book. That's <laughs> your personal book and you're making notes in it. Yes. I, yeah, it's crazy. It's I, I love it though. I'm a student of the fire service, man. I love it. Hey, you know, when, you're, and, when you're not teachable anymore, you just leave. Just go. Stop. Just do us all a favor. You know it all. Got it. There's a door. I, I mean, it. you know, you watch a man like uh, Dennis Rhodes or David Rhodes. You watch David Rhodes come into a classroom. Uh, David Rhodes works for Atlanta, and he is more affectionately known as Smoke Daddy with Georgia Smoke Divers. David Rhodes walks into your classroom. He's taking notes. Bill Gustin from Miami-Dade, he sits in your class. He's taking notes. These men are students of the fire service. They're icons, but they're students. Wow. Sorry. No, you're good. You're good. I'm, I'm asking for more info. <laughs> Because he, uh, J-Lo just said, and he distracted me while you were talking, he said, do a shout-out to Rick and the Florida House for what they're doing for firefighters that need help. Amen. So, yes, sir. And, hell yes, Thank J-Lo. you, J-Lo. And so I didn't yeah, mean to interrupt uh, you, but I was like, more info. I will say, so um, David Rhodes, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to distract. But I did want to give that No, that, that's a that's – a, so David Rhodes sits in the class. He hears about the breathing stuff that we do, and guess what he does? He implements it in smoke divers and gets his instructors to start doing it because he sees value in it. Wow. Now, now understand, smoke divers is there to do one thing, and that's kick your ass. You want to see – you want to test yourself? You want to see how far you can go? That's what it's there for, and those guys will. They will ride you like Zorro with dignity, however. <laughs> there's, there's, there is – now, there are smoke divers programs that have none, and Georgia right. Smoke Divers is not one of them. And I was speaking to Smoke Daddy the other day, and they're affiliated with three other smoke divers. Out of all the smoke divers in the country, there's only three of them that are affiliated with Georgia Smoke Divers, two of them that are affiliated with Georgia Smoke Divers. They take a great deal of pride in the way they handle their students. Now, they have an attrition rate, but it's a fair and equitable thing. It is not, you know, and, and this is a good thing because, remember, we were talking about training you up, and then we test you. And now you get to see where your weaknesses are. Now you get to develop those strengths, develop those weaknesses into strengths. You know, Um, Florida House, real quick, let me touch on that for a second. Um, Absolutely. Florida House has a program called Shatterproof. So after I was diagnosed with PTSD, um, I I, I finally come back to whole. I can finish my job doing everything that I'm supposed to be doing the way that I started. You know, I'm just older, you know, and, and when I left, I was 58 and, uh, I just couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't perform the way that I used to. So sure. my, 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 I, I have a, I have a motor and I have a vision and our company was tight. You didn't have to say anything on our company. We Hello. knew what everybody was going to do when you rolled up onto a job. That's how often we had trained and, and, and fought fire together. And it was the same way on medical calls, you know, and um, medical calls, you know, the medics get all geeked out and they throw down. And I'm a medic too, but I wasn't all geek. I'm no longer geeked out like that. They're doing their little thing, you know, snatching lives from the jaws of death and stuff, you know. And we're looking at hinges on doors and are these windows impact rated and what kind of roof system they got on this thing, you know. So we're kind of like, kind of, uh, we're observing the place. So we're uh, constantly a student of it. But 
uh, when I retired, uh, and this is some sage advice that was given to me that I'm going to pass on. As you near retirement, prepare yourself because there is a drop-off and there is a big difference. Even though you're welcome back to your house, you're still on the outside looking in. No matter how friendly the men are and the women, that you're still on the outside looking in. You go from being the man to being a man, and it's a steep that's a steep step. That's a big drop off. So you have to find something that will drive you. I think that firemen are unique individuals, just like uh, just like cops, just like uh, you know military. We will be successful at whatever we apply ourselves to. We will be, you know, just by sheer will and determination and grit. Sure. But you will never be fulfilled until you follow your purpose in life, and you need to follow find your purpose. So I got pulled into a, uh, a program for first responders by a guy named Don Prince, and it was uh, the the firehouse retreat, I believe, is what the station retreat is station what it was retreat. called. Yeah, and it was it's defunct now, um, but that's where I that's where I got introduced, and I worked there for a couple of years and um, about two three years with a first responder only program. And then it, it, that went defunct and they opened up Shatterproof at uh, Florida House. The woman, Annie Weymouth, who happens to be, uh, worked for EAP for Palm Beach County. Big shout out to Annie. Um, but Florida House is unique. The owner sees the vision, supports it 100%. We have a uniform personnel program where we work solely with uniform. That, that means that if you've got a drug and alcohol problem, PTSD, anxiety issues, depressive disorders, you gamble, you've got sexual addictions, whatever ails you, we got a wrench for every nut. And, and wow. our clinicians are almost all first responders. We do biofeedback, neurofeedback, mind mapping, neurostim. Um, we do EMDR. We do all kinds of stuff. So I run groups there. Um, we've added a surfing program, paddleboarding program, a dive program, music program, a defense program. Um, a lot of uh, our first responders are military or cop. And so some of them have issues with shootings. And we have professionals that we go to that, that will run classes with these guys, get them reacclimated to see how what their purpose was. Their purpose was to protect society from the wolf. Right, the way Grossman talks about it, we're here to protect the sheep. We're the sheep dogs. We are here to protect the sheep from the wolves. And when you lose focus of that, that's when all that other stuff starts to come in. So, yeah, Shatterproof is very near and dear to me. I really, uh, yeah, that, really passion, love that program. The passion is pouring yeah. out, brother. I, that is no doubt about there's that. There's two others. There's two others like that, and that is. Uh, Danny runs a good one in Chicago, the Florian pro program with uh, okay. Rosecrans, so, and um, and then the other one is Save a Warrior program in Texas. And okay. so we're about to, we're getting ready to after the first of the year reach out to them and go out to them and look at their programs. They look at ours so that when we're at overflow, we can recommend a program that we vetted for people to go to that are in need. Because when our brothers and sisters are broken, we take it very very serious. Absolutely. We take it very, very serious. You don't help them. You know what's going to happen. They're going to kill themselves or they're going to drink them. They're going to destroy their family, you know, and, and it's not so simple that you just, you know, end your own life. You're destroying lives across the board. And we could go more into that. But right now we're talking about performance, right? Okay. So that, Sorry, man. No, dude, you're passionate. Whatever you're passionate about, you can talk about for hours. I'll listen to it. And I think other <laughs> people would too. Um, 
the, so the Shatterproof is the Florida house. And then I know my deputy chief and me were talking about the Chicago-based Florian one and, and looking at modeling something off that here in Oklahoma. And that's in the very yeah. early stages of working on that. Because it's a, it's, it's a rampant issue in the modern fire service. There is no doubt about it. Um, that has to be addressed. Dan, Dan, is, Dan is doing huge things over there, man. Dan DeGrice, so, uh, chief on Chicago. He, is he that runs the one? that Florian okay. program. Yeah, yeah. Uh, He's doing incredible things. Best place to get your book. Start right there. Uh, Fire Engineering, Amazon, uh, Google okay. it. It'll pop up. It's, uh, pop up we it. wrote it. Yeah, we wrote it so that it's, it's, it had to be, there's a couple of things, right? We wanted it to be soft back so you could curl it up, put it in your pocket, do whatever. It had to be the right size to fit on the water closet in the back of the commode so you could read a chapter. You can download a chapter in your brain as you're downloading into the commode. I understand. And, um, it's written in, in plain English by firemen for firemen. So we Perfect. take the deep science and we write it out very easily. We understand that there's laps and gaps. It's very, very difficult to put into the written word. Uh, we were going to attach crayons to it because we left a note section in the back <laughs> so firemen could write notes. Right. But Bobby Halton shot that down. He said firemen would eat the crayon instead of using it to write there with it, and then we'd have legal <laughs> issues. So, But it, it's uh, it, it had to be affordable. And um, the affordable price, I think, is your, the top dollar you'll pay for it. I think is thirty bucks. No, dude, that's that's amazing, and that's awesome. Um, I'm gonna get me a copy, and then I'm gonna send it to you. and You're gonna sign it, and then you're gonna send it back. So, of course. Uh, uh, what else have I got? Uh, tactical resiliency training on Facebook. Pretty active on there, so you can go and follow Rick's tactical resiliency training. Um, trying to think of anything else. Anything else you want to add or 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 uh, Boost, talk about. I do. I, um, I do want to ask you. Go ahead. Then I'll, I'll follow. Go, up. go, go, go with it. Go with it. I, I always. You've already touched on it earlier in the in in the discussion, but I always like to ask my guests if there is a book. Obviously, you have your book, but a book that's impacted your life and uh, that firefighters should read. And so I always ask that question of my guests. And so uh, you already talked about Grossman's, but I'll let you talk about it right now. Yeah. <clears throat> I've read a lot of books. Um, I have read so many books that when we remodeled our living room, my wife told me, she goes, you have to get rid of some of these books. So I, I just started donating them to fire departments and to the library. Um, and, uh, I, I, you know, it, it gets to be a blur after a while. No doubt. Uh, the main book, the main book that's the one that's probably impacted me the most was the Bible. Okay. Uh, that's just Rick, you know? Um, I, uh, you know, I, I I talk about my faith because it's important, and nobody should hide their faith, whatever it is, sure. even if you don't have one. Nobody should have to, you know, hide that or use it to beat anybody up with. That's not why I do things. Sometimes my sarcasm gets misinterpreted, and that's not the intent, you know. Sure. And I, and I can't control that, so tough shit. Um, and the the other one that I've read is uh, Grossman's book on combat. I like tribes, you know. Um, I've read, uh, you know, the art of. Um, it, it is. I've read so many books because I, I throw myself into. When you find your passion in life, you'll know what books you want to read. You'll know what follows. You know, um, it, it just comes. It, it, you know, and awesome. the Bible is extremely important for me. But you know, that's Rick. You know, but I, yeah. and you know. Yeah, yeah, and I, I respect everybody's, you know, wishes and what they want to follow and what they want to do. 
So there's there's no one book that really has you know, no one other book other than that one book that's made that type of a change. See, because I was a street thug, I have uh, it's some hard lessons on being a father, being a husband, you know, being a son, um, being a brother, and and I needed that type of uh, spiritual support and 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 foundation because I was not I was not a uh, I, I was that guy. I rode right. you like Zorro when I was teaching in the academy, and if I could do it, I expected you to do it, and that was just. I'm as guilty as the next person for doing that kind of thing. And uh, I, I was that way at home, and that was just not uh, – that's just my ego. And I, I didn't realize that there's a whole other way to approach life and approach things. And it doesn't mean that you're weak. It doesn't mean that you're soft. It just means you understand things differently, you know? Right. Wow. No, it's mature. It's just – yeah. Uh, that's awesome, man. Rick, you you were you were talking about institutional egos. Yes, we talked about that. Uh, the, that the, is, the training uh, stars, the, the institutional it, training stars that come from those institutional egos that stay in place for years and years and impact an entire organization, um, generations. Yes, you're. Yes, exactly. Um, it, it, you know, uh, Rick, I cannot tell you enough. Uh, a, how much fun I've had basically getting to know you today. Um, nope. I pleasure. feel like we've uh, very just uh, your passion comes through. Uh, I know everybody that's that's watched this has enjoyed it. The um, uh, Hal Moore on leadership, PBC, uh, Palm Beach County Extricators, Punishers said that's theirs. Hal, uh, Hal Moore on leadership. They wanted to bring that up, but uh, I lost the other comments because of our restart. But other than that. Um, I want to say thank you for being the man stepping in today. Uh, My pleasure, brother. The passion you shared between the Florida House, training, your book, all of it, your life experiences, uh, PTSI, PTSD, every bit of it, man. I, I look forward uh, to doing this again, and I hope you will uh, come back on the scrap and talk again because um, I think we just scratched the surface on everything that's locked away in that brain of yours. And so – um, that's, a, that's, there's a lot of stuff bouncing around in that head, bro. <laughs> I'm not sure you want to get it too close to that. You know, it's, fair enough. I'm, I tell we'll my I tell my friends all the time when I'm alone, I'm in a bad place, man. You well, know, I got to surround myself with righteous men. Again, <laughs> yeah. Thank you for letting me bother you up at your cabin, uh, and with uh, the miss. Th tell your wife, thank you for uh, saving the scrap tonight. Um, as know. always, I end it the same way. I hope the tone stays silent for everybody. Unless it is burning, stay safe out there. Thanks again, Rick George. God bless. Thanks for listening to the Weekly Scrap. Please subscribe and please share. We'll see you at the next episode.